I want to take a moment to acknowledge that it is Memorial Day weekend. In society and culture right now, we can argue our freedoms being stripped away. But at the end of the day, I'd still much rather live here in America with the freedoms that we have than anywhere else in the world. There are men and women that have died to protect this women. There are people watching this right now that have lost loved ones because they went overseas, they went someplace, and they lost their lives for our freedom. So I want to acknowledge at the beginning of this online experience that men and women have died to protect this and to thank those that have lost loved ones for the sacrifice um, that you have endured uh, through this. So with that, let me, uh, let me pray. God, I, uh, I thank you, Father, for the freedom that we do have. Lord, I thank you for men and women that have given the ultimate sacrifice to protect that freedom. Lord, I thank you for the men and women right now serving with the willingness to give their lives to protect this freedom. Father, I pray now as we go into this online experience, Lord, Lord, I thank you for the testimony that we heard. Lord, that you bring life change, that you are in our midst. Be now throughout this whole experience. In your powerful name, Jesus, amen. Life is, uh, is crazy, and uh, for some, what's going on right now has served, uh, has served us in a good way. We're actually thriving right now. We're, 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 we're doing well in this current context. For others, there is struggles. For others, uh, for others this, has, this has now begun, like where maybe it started off well, now it's not going so well. Now where we were able to endure and we were able to fight through mental health. But now, now for many of us, mental health is, is kind of get put on the forefront. Is now something that like we really have to be watchful of. Two weeks ago, my wife decided to do two things to help her mental health. Uh, first is she, she, she built a, uh, a garden. Our neighbor, Todd, shout out to Todd, uh, came over and, and tilled, uh, tilled our, a portion of our backyard. So my wife, this is some, uh, soil, uh, from, uh, from her garden. Uh, don't tell her I took it. I took it. And, uh, she, she created a mental health garden, something that she's doing to kind of, to, to put her mind towards that, uh, when her, when she's struggling a little bit with her mind. Life is messy, and so it, it's something that she can do. The other thing that she started doing was she picked up this book, uh, took it off my, bookshelf, The Greatest Life of All, Jesus by Charles Swindoll. He has a whole bunch of character studies, uh, and I think the last one that he wrote, he ended the series with uh, Jesus. And so she put the focus back on Jesus, saying, life is messy. I need two things. I need, I need a habit uh, to, to focus in on, and I need, I need a person to focus in on. Many of us, many of us, and many of our ones are in this place where, where life is messy, and in the midst of a messy life, what do I make of Jesus? See, the ones, the people that we're praying for, Jesus is, is an intriguing yet confusing person in history. He's a part of history. He's a good guy, good teacher, but it's kind of challenging. What do I, what do I make of Jesus? How is Jesus really supposed to be Lord of my life? For others of us, as we wade through the mess of life, sometimes the messes of life show us things in our life that need to change. And so Jesus, as we focus in on Jesus in the messes of life, Jesus is challenging us to change certain things about our life. So here's something that can be true of both the Christian and the non-Christian. Rain falls on us all. So for all of us, life is messy. And in different ways, we, we find Jesus to be challenging. He challenges us. And so wherever you're at in that equation,
imagine what we often do when life is messy and we find Jesus to be challenging, we build up a wall. We don't want Jesus to enter in. We no longer want to be challenged by Jesus. And so we build up a wall to protect ourselves, our mess, and all of those types of things. We want Jesus, but we really only put mild effort into seeking Jesus. For all of us, we make Jesus. What we make of Jesus shapes our journey for Jesus. How much effort am I going to put into seeking after Jesus? See, in this new normal, what will we make of Jesus when life is messy? Will we, will we build up our faith so that when another pandemic happens or when life gets messy again, that we will have greater depth in, in our relationship with Jesus to, to pull from? In, in the new normal, will we go on mission like the disciples even when life is messy? So where we are in the gospel of, of Luke now is that Jesus' fame has grown. The disciples have gone on mission And now we're going to see that the mission of Christ has reached now the highest level of the political uh, politics, uh, the highest level that it can reach to, Herod the Tetrarch. Here's here's what our text says. Now, Herod the Tetrarch, Tetrarch meaning that that Herod the Great died and divided his his land, his kingdom uh, to his his sons. And so Herod the Tetrarch is is one of those ones that received uh, a territory from his father. Heard about all that was happening. Mass healings, the dead rising, incredible miracles. He's heard about it, and he was perplexed. So, so Herod, the, 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 the tetrarch, the, the king of this region, him hearing uh, about Jesus and being perplexed shows me that the, that the low of society and the high of society find Jesus to be confusing. There's a uniqueness there, or a similarity there. Because it was said by him that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. This is unnerving, very unnerving to Herod the Tetrarch, very unnerving to him. Why? Because him and John the Baptist, they weren't BFFs. We'll get into that in a second. He's a, nem- a nemesis to, John, uh, to, to Herod. So that would, that would hit him personally. Uh, Elijah, he, he, was, he was a nemesis to an old, uh, an old ruler in Israel, Ahab, an idolatrous ruler. So, so is Elijah back to, to cause trouble? Both Elijah and John the Baptist could be seen selfishly by Herod as this could impact me personally on a negative level. He's hearing things from the crowd that, that makes him wonder. He, now let's, let's think about the crowd here for, for a second. The crowd is giving conflicting reports about Jesus. They're still doing that to this day. But their theories have, have three things in common. All of their responses are, are religious theories. All of their responses uh, are, are make Jesus out to be a prophet of some sort. All the theories are, are supernatural. They suggest uh, resurrection. They, su- they suggest something miraculous, a miraculous return of Elijah. And the, the main thing that they all have in common is that they're all wrong. There's not a single theory that has been mentioned that has, 
that is, is correct. See, crowds rarely answer the important questions of life correctly. Crowds are almost always divided and wrong. You know what else is true of crowds? And we'll, we'll, this will tie in more later. Crowds are also a terrible, terrible uh, a measure of morality. Morality isn't a numbers game. Just because everybody's doing it or just because no one is doing it. Morality isn't a numbers game. It's not a matter of being acceptable to the masses. The question for you and I is, is it acceptable before God? If, if Christ is the only one we are concerned about, it doesn't matter if the 7.5 billion people on planet Earth think it's okay. If one versus the 7.5 billion, the one wins always for the Christian. And so because of these conflicting reports, Herod is confused. He doesn't know what to do with the speculation. You think speculation is, is happening a lot right now in society? You think so? Like, right now, go on your social media and post your opinion about a face mask. Post your opinion if we should be out in public. Post your opinion of Governor Murphy. Post your opinion of, of XYZ. It's a conspiracy theory. Oh, is it? People aren't really dying like they say. Really? Like, you can give all of your opinions, and what does it do? It creates speculation. There are lawsuits now. How do we reopen? All of these things. People love to speculate. There is speculation then, and there is speculation to today. Speculation will lead to a season, a, a, a chain, will lead, to, will lead to political correctness. The PC police will come out. Speculation and crowds will, will drive political correctness, but it doesn't always drive us to the facts. The speculation rarely leads us to facts. Here's what the speculation did for Herod. All of what they said is wrong. They all, they refer to him as a prophet of sort. They liken him to a prophet. He is so much more than a prophet. To liken him to a prophet, Islam does that. Every other major religion in the world identifies Jesus as some sort of a prophet, and they are all wrong. Jesus is more than that. How can you look at Jesus and, and, and put him on such a high, a high pedestal and ignore his most basic claim? That he is the promised son of God to forgive sins. To call him just a prophet is wrong. But speculation led them to that error. So here's where Herod goes. Herod said, John, I beheaded. But who is, who is this about whom I hear such things? In Luke chapter 3, if you, if you can remember back to when we were looking at that passage, we looked at that. John dies. He, him, he, he, called, he called Herod out for, for loving his brother's wife, taking, him as, uh, taking her as his own wife, having an affair, uh, doing, doing something heinous. John the Baptist says, that's not right, that's not holy, that's not moral, you should not do those things. He called them out, so Herod imprisons him. And then eventually, because of a party and because he's trying to please a woman, a woman asks for the head of John the Baptist, and Herod delivers. He's a wicked man. He's an awful man. He's now publicly admitting to killing a prophet of God. He's saying it so publicly, and he doesn't blink an eye. 
He's not honest, he's not a good man, and he's flippant about morality. Now, uh, right now, we are, uh, we are uh, a lot of us are graduating college. I'm not, that was many moons ago for me, but some of you, like, we're, we're all like, hey, life has changed, this is supposed to be a weekend and maybe of college graduations, I'm, I've been seeing pictures and whatnot. So a college story from back in the day, I was, uh, I was at Karen University, at the time it was, it was uh, PBU, Philadelphia Biblical University, uh, the campus police glorified mall cops, if you will. Uh, they knew my car. Everybody loved, uh, loved seeing Jason roll up onto campus because here came trouble. I was very rebellious. And uh, one of those times I'm rolling up on campus, they were always tailing me, uh, and I was tailed. And I, I pulled into a, par- a parking space that I knew uh, my sticker didn't allow me to park at this sp- in this space, but it was close to where I was going. And so I pull into my spot, and the tail came and, and came up right behind me and said, you can't park there. And me being so flippant was like, well, how much is the ticket? And he was like, 5 or $10 or something. I was like, well, just give me a ticket. I don't care. And I walked, I like completely gave him attitude. It was the head of security. And, uh, and then I walked into the building and eventually had to pay that ticket. I had to go back sometime later and say, I treated you like garbage. I was so disrespectful. I needed to apologize. And, and eventually, I did. And I think that's kind of the attitude, the rebellious attitude that, that Herod has here, that where you and I are so open and flippant with sin today because society says it's not a big deal. But what if it's a big deal to God? Are we willing to consider how our actions may be a big deal to God? Or are we willing to consider that God can bring joy even when we have to sacrifice what we might desire so that we can bring honor and glory to God? That, that when we sacrifice the cravings of, of this life for the craving of Jesus, that he can bring joy to us in that place. That Jesus will bring joy to us when we make him our greatest craving. And so here's, here's what he says at the, at the end. Uh, uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 9, at the very end he says, and he sought to see him. He's perplexed. Who is this? Could it be? And he says he's going to seek him now. But really? You're the, you're the premier leader of the land. Are you really seeking him? Because in, in Luke chapter 13 it says, go away, go away, leave here, for Herod wants to kill you. It's known that Herod wants to end your life. So why is Herod seeking? Is it really? I'm perplexed. I'm interested in Jesus. I want to know him a little bit more. No, you want to kill him. When, when in Luke chapter 3, 23, Luke chapter 23, when Jesus is on trial, he gets shipped off to Herod, finally gets to meet, Herod finally gets to meet him, and he treats him like a circus clown, asking him questions, wanting him to perform miracles, and Jesus doesn't, tr- doesn't go give in to the, the circus clown that he wants to be made of, and so he just doesn't answer his questions, and so Herod mocks him. His soldiers rough him up a little bit, and then he's sent back off to Pilate. Again, evidence that Herod is not that sincere. As a ruler of that land, if you have an army at your disposal and you want to see somebody, if you want somebody in your presence, you just make that happen. So when it says that Herod tried to seek him, really, 
What would have stopped Herod from actually seeking out Jesus? Herod was content being perplexed. He was content. He was satisfied being in that state of, I'm intrigued, but I really don't want to know. I'm intrigued, but I don't want Jesus to ruffle my feathers. It was desire only in theory. Herod appeared interested in Jesus, really only as a matter of curiosity. Jesus was just a cool, cool story, cool possibility. But he didn't want to go too deep. Herod's a picture of somebody who, who, who trivializes Jesus in his ministry. And Herod will one day meet up with Jesus. Like we said, he will mock him and he will send him on to death, to his grave. By Jesus, to the cross. But he mentions John the Baptist. John the Baptist is somebody who does something completely different, who lives his life completely different than, than Herod. He seeks Jesus, and he'll say, in, in, John, in John 3, 30, he'll say, Jesus, I, I must decrease, you must increase. He'll look at Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm not even worthy to tie, to tie your sandals. Jesus, Jesus, the Lamb of God. Jesus, I will follow you. I will, I will, I will do whatever it takes, even if, it, if sacrifice leads me to sacrifice it all. I will go to the grave to honor Jesus. That's the major difference between John the Baptist and Herod. It's the difference between seek and find versus search and destroy, Herod. It's the attitude behind seeking. It's the desire behind seeking. See, see, when Ava loses her keys, I don't, I don't lose my keys anymore uh, because I bought this thing called Tile, and so I can, I can hit the button uh, on my phone, and uh, it will beep, and so I, I, I find my keys. And so that was fun. That was a fun Black Friday purchase. And, uh, but Ava, Ava didn't, uh, doesn't put these on her keys, and so when Ava loses her keys, uh, I, I put mild effort into finding her keys. I'll, I'll help her out a little bit, but Ava is all but flipping tables trying to find her keys. Whereas me, if I were to, if this was to be turned off and I, back in the day when I used to lose my keys, if I had lost my keys, I'm acting much the same way. I'm, I'm going all over the place. I'm going crazy until I find my keys because obviously I have some place to go. The difference is desire. If Ava has lost her keys, she's searching a whole lot harder than I am. Why? Because it impacts her differently. It doesn't impact me like it impacts Ava. And so I will look differently and, and just and put a little less effort into it. That's what we have here. Your why will shape your journey. What you make of Jesus will shape your journey, will shape, will shape how you're searching out Jesus, the type of effort you're putting in. For our why as Christians, our why is that Jesus is Lord. And if Jesus is Lord, he's Lord of all, all areas of our life where he's not Lord at all. You and I, our why is that we seek the king. Your why will shape your journey. For Herod, Jesus is just an intriguing add-on. But that type of a why shapes a much different journey. When called to sacrifice or when confronted with an uncomfortable truth about my sin, 
The add-on approach, Jesus. Just head back to the cross. It's not willing to, to give it all. The Jesus is Lord approach, Jesus, I'll sacrifice all for you. Why? Because that's what you did for me. We celebrate, we value endless growth here at, at Wellspring. It's one of our core values. That we're going to wake up every day seeking to be a little bit more like Jesus. Why? The why shapes your journey. Why do we look to give Jesus a little bit more of ourselves every single day to be a little bit more like him than I was yesterday? Why? Because Jesus is worth it. He's our king, and that's what he's called of us. And that's what I feel like too many of us as Christians walk around with, with, this, messy, with this messy life. We, we said, Jesus, I have mess. Jesus, here's my mess. I say yes to you. Jesus is, is referred to as, as water in the scriptures. That's one of the reasons we named our church Wellspring. It's the original, uh, original uh, source of life. And so we look at Jesus as the original source of life. Too many of us as Christians are, are content just adding a little water to our, to our messy life. And so what happens when you bring your dirt to Jesus and you just add a little bit of water? You, you know what happens? You know what you just made? You just made some mud. When we bring Jesus our dirt with no desire to get rid of our dirt, just kind of add water, that approach, all we do is make a little bit of mud. But for you and I as, as Christians, we want to be filled up with Jesus and we want to empty ourselves out. We want to be filled with Jesus, and we want to empty this out. Jesus, here's my dirt. You clean me. You make me whole. In this approach, you know what happens is, is we're saying, Jesus, here's my dirt. You take it. You wash me and make me clean. Jesus, I pour myself out to you. And what we have as Christians as we walk this life and we're willing to do something of that nature is, is the inside. As we give Jesus our dirt, the inside will be a whole lot cleaner. In, in the Christian realm, it will be clean. On the outside, it will still look a little bit muddy. We still have some things to, to, to challenge and to wrestle, wrestle through. But the out, but the, so the outside might still from time to time look messy, but the inside for the Christian that has said, Jesus... I don't want you just to add water to my life. I want you to take my dirt. I want to rid myself of the dirt that is in my life. Sometimes the outside of the cup will look a little dirty, but the inside is clean. Isaiah says it's white as snow. So that's my challenge to you and I today. I don't want to live like Herod. I want to live like John the Baptist. And so when I thought about a challenge, when I thought about when God is confronting something in my life, there's often times where God will confront something in my life. And you know what I have to do? I have to go to prayer and fasting. And so that's my challenge. Would you take a 24-hour fast? And I, I didn't want to make this challenge because I was like, like, I want you to truly take no food for 24 hours. I have to tell you, please consult your doctors and make sure that you're able to do this. Okay. Let's assume that you're able to do this, okay? Like, let's not have the excuse that you can't do this. 90% of us can do this. You truly should consult your doctors just in case you can't. But assuming you can, I didn't want to make this challenge because, like, this is maybe too much 
for people. Is it? Fasting is one of those things that's mentioned throughout scriptures. And so what do I want you to do during the fast? I don't want you to wake up Monday morning or Tuesday morning and say, I'm going to fast today just to, just to take the challenge. Here's what I want you to do during the challenge. Three things. I want you to, to meditate on, or I'm sorry, memorize John 3.30. He must increase, I must decrease. Can you say that? He must increase, I must decrease. Say it out loud. You're, you're next to your kids. You're, you're next to your spouse. They, 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 he must increase, I must decrease. Yes, you just memorized scripture. So I want you to memorize that piece of scripture. John 3.30. John the Baptist said it. He must increase, I must decrease. And then I want you to meditate on this question. Where haven't I allowed you, Jesus, to truly be Lord of my life? If he must increase and I must decrease, there's a spot in my life where I'm not fully giving myself over to Jesus as Lord in that area. And so I want you to meditate on that question. But then, but then the third M is I want you to move. I want you to do something. It's not good enough to identify that area in your life after memorizing that scripture, meditating on what you need to do. The next step is doing something. So, join a life group. Look for accountability. Jo we're, 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 we're on, on Thursdays, we've been trying to pray together. Start praying with us on Thursdays. Text your, your bestie. This is an area where Jesus is not Lord of my life. Will you help me in this area? Do something about it. But for some of us, we've never taken that, that first step. It's not hard for anybody to admit that there is dirt in my life. But for many of us, we've not given ourselves over to Jesus Christ and said, Jesus, the wrath of God is on me for the dirt that's in my life. Jesus, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna give to you, give you my life and I'm going to pour out the dirt. I'm going to seek Yes, you make me clean, and I want to rid myself of the dirt that is in my life. It's a tragic time. It's a tragic life. It's, a, it's, a, it's an unfortunate life, much like Herod, that would die never truly having the answer, what do I make of Jesus? Who is this Jesus? To not find the answer biblically, factually, clearly. I don't want you to die not having given your life over to Jesus, the true Jesus, the Lord of all. And so for every single person, there is not a single life on earth that Jesus says, that's too dirty. I can't make it clean. So forget the 24-hour food fast challenge. That's for other people. Right now, I'm challenging you. What would it look like to give the mess of your life over to the one who offers you complete forgiveness no matter what that mess is? So I'm going to close in prayer. And we're going to go into a song called All Hail King Jesus. And if you call on the name of the Lord right now as I pray, you go from enemy of God with full mess to Jesus making you clean and the God of this universe looking at you as clean. And you can sing this song, All Hail King Jesus, 
probably for the first time ever, truly singing to your king. And if you say yes, there'll be a form that one of our online hosts will, will be posting in the comments. I said yes to relationship with Jesus. We want to reach out to you. We want to mail you a Bible. We want to mail you a journal and, and a reading plan for you to take those next steps. So is that you? Is it time to take the mess of your life and give it over to Jesus? If that's you, would you pray something like this? God, I acknowledge that my life is messy. My life is dirty. There is dirt in my life, and I'm going to call it what it is, sin. God, I understand that, that you require perfection and that, 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 that you punish imperfection. And God, why you chose to send your son to live perfectly, why you chose to send him to die in my place, why you took the wrath of God meant for me out on Jesus. I may, fully, I may not fully ever understand it, but Jesus, I am saying yes to it. Jesus, I'm looking at my cup and saying it is dirty, but acknowledging that you make me clean. Today, I give you my life. I'm not content living a life of muddied water. I'm pouring myself out to you, Jesus. All hail, King Jesus. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Toms River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.